God Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. It is eight o'clock on a Monday night and I'm very excited to be recording the podcast with Elizabeth Holmes of So Many Thoughts and the new HRH book. And I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and it feels like we sort of know each other because we've been seeing each other in the internet for the last few years. But it's fabulous to be on a call with you. Welcome to the show. Anne, I'm so thrilled to be here. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller, and th- <laughs> thrilled to chat, thrilled for the chance to chat with you. So it's obviously evening here. Thank you to my lovely husband for making me dinner before recording, but I do promise I haven't had any wine. I'm possibly just a little bit excitable because I am wearing my new hat band. I've, I've, I think it counts as a hat band. It's not. Oh, it does. White. And I was like, I'm seeing Elizabeth. I have to have a hat band. I've been wanting one for a while. This is a perfect excuse. So a bit of um, birthday voucher action from my in-laws. So thank you to them as well. Little it is catching fun. the light beautifully. It's sort of sparkling a little bit. It's, it's, I love it. <laughs> you have to dress up for a Zoom call sometimes, don't you? Like stuck at home, Go get the good stuff out. So anyway, um, it's brilliant to have you on. And it's because you've got your first first book out hrh looking at a fashion of the royals and i have to share a comment with you first of all from joy engel because i have asked our listeners if they have some questions but joy just wanted to say you're parenting in a pandemic and wrote a book have you heard today that you're doing great (laughs) joy that is so kind of you thank you it is really sweet it just made me smile and just thought oh actually some days we just need someone to say oh yes Yes. Well done. <laughs> Everything is good, but you are you are doing great. It's it's very exciting to see this all come to fruition. I mean, you've you've got a background in business, sort of business and fashion journalism, back in the day, and now you're a star of Instagram. Like, how how has all of this happened? I know, I know, it's kind of wild, and I would love to say that it was strategic in some way, but it certainly was not. <laughs> um, I spent a decade on staff at the Wall Street Journal, which is um, a prominent financial newspaper based in New York, and um, I did a bunch of different things as a reporter there, but the um, I sort of hit my stride as a style reporter, and this being the Wall Street Journal, it was very much about the business of fashion, so beautiful clothes, of course, but um, the branding and the messaging and the marketing behind them, and it gave me a real appreciation for fashion and a sort of new uh, lens in which to look at it through, um, you know, just understanding what clothes could say. And then I will confess that I have been a a longtime royal watcher since um, 2011 when Kate and Will got married. Um, I was getting married that year and I got sort of swept up in it all and um, was just sort of enchanted by that day. I remember it very well. Um, And after I left the Wall Street Journal in 2017, um, I moved to California um, with my family. And um, I had had a moment (laughs) where my sort of professional interests and personal interests collided. I happened to see Will and Kate's holiday card photo pop up on my Instagram feed. And I thought to myself, I have so many thoughts about this. So <laughs> it was just as simple as that. And I screenshotted it and I added too many teeny tiny text bubbles to it. And I posted it. And what I realized was I had tapped into a community of people on Instagram who want to talk about the royal the royal family and royal fashion. And I was thrilled because I've always been interested, but I'm not sure um, a lot of my friends share my enthusiasm or certainly to the degree. And I was, I was glad to find people um, and a place to talk about it. And Instagram um, has been a wonderful thing for me. 
there is definitely that amazing internet community of sort of royal watchers and super fans and bloggers and just you know everyone who just is interested and excited about it all and but you're kind of coming to it from a perspective of fashion is actually something that matters it's not just you know frivolous and a bit of ruffles and hat bands and fun it actually is you know, it, it is something that matters both from a kind of a financial and business point of view and from a really quite sort of personal and connected point of view as well, I think. Yeah, you know, I think um, as I was commenting, so um, after that first post that was not particularly insightful, um, I kept doing it. You know, I kept commenting every time Kate and Megan um, stepped out, I would I would comment on what they were wearing. And what I found resonated um, with people, certainly on Instagram, were the insights I was able to provide. So, you know, using sort of my familiarity with fashion and fashion branding and, you know, sort of the crafting of visuals um, to connect the dots for people and you know, decode a little bit what these outfits were trying to say. And that's why I like royal fashion so much, because obviously the clothes are beautiful. They're so fun, right, <laughs> to look at. But they use them as a big part of their job. You know, these women don't do a tremendous amount of talking. What they do is they appear to much fanfare. You know, those pictures go around the world in seconds. And the first thing we see before we know what engagement they're attending or, you know, cause they're promoting is what they're wearing. And it's a real opportunity. And I, I really respect um, that they recognize that and they know there's this attention and they use it, you know, so they choose colors or brands or silhouettes or styles that, you know, say something they really do, you know, that say something about themselves, about the work that they're doing. And they help us also feel something about them. You know I mean? When you see Kate or Megan in a great outfit, it's exciting. You know, it makes them relatable and likable. And I think there's real power in that. What do you think is the appeal of the royal family to Americans? Because, I mean, to, to a certain extent, like years ago, you basically <laughs> said, we don't want any of that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't want that. And it's sort of the opposite of the American dream of anybody can achieve anything themselves. Like, I can't become the queen. I think like that, that ship has sailed. That is not an option. <laughs> You know, I um I think that we get to delight in it in a way um that because we are not invested in it. You know, it's not our tax money, you know, it's not our identity even. You know, we are able to sort of watch from afar and you know have fun with it and appreciate it um without, you know, suffering any of the consequences of it. And <laughs> you know, I think there there's a real freedom there. And then um, you know, obviously when Megan entered the picture, seeing one of our own, you know, operating within um the royal family was really exciting and I think just um drew everybody in even deeper. And how you you focus very much on kind of the four major fashion players of of the royal family and of you know of now and I don't know I guess the last 30 years probably god I'm older I'm older than I, than I think <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to say like a couple years more decades ago. yeah <laughs> definitely time flies time I know flies. it really There's does so many dresses to look at but um therefore in some ways very they've kind of all had very different attitudes to fashion but it it is something that has mattered to all of them in different ways yeah you know so my book hrh looks not just at kate and megan um but i was eager to expand what i do on instagram and to put my reporter hat back on and do some research and you know um it became very clear to me that the queen and diana certainly set the stage for the royal fashion that we see today and that we get so excited about and i think if you look at these four women together 
you see the ways in which they're extremely individual in their approaches to fashion, but the way that they're intertwined too. And, you know, the way the book is set up um, is that it's in sort of four sections. So each woman gets her own story told through her own clothes, but there were definitely like delightful moments where I was like working on Diana and I saw a lot of Megan or, you know, the queen section and seeing the parallels to Kate. Um, and I think therein is a reminder that these women are a family with a shared job, you know, a shared mission. And so if you look at the queen and her brightly colored <laughs> outfits, you know, it's all about function in addition to fashion you know every part of her look is considered and you know we know that because Angela Kelly came out with a tremendous book last year that talked all about it you know but her hats are big enough to make a statement and not cover her but not so big that they would you know cover her face in any way um you know those coats um have armholes where she can you know shake and wave <laughs> and use her hands her block heels let her stand for a long amount of time you know it's all very thought out and what Diana added to the equation and that I think is really powerful is she made it exciting. She made royal fashion a reason to get really excited and to tune in because she wore trendy outfits. She wore of the moment looks, her, you know, bold pieces made for fantastic pictures. And um, she did so at a time when the media landscape was really exploding and it made for the most, you know, fabulous magazine spreads. And there's real power in that, right? Because they need they need the media, the royal family needs the media to cover what they're doing so that we all care and we all know about it. Um, and fashion is a great, a great introduction um, to the family and certainly a beautiful thing <laughs> for press coverage. I think it was quite interesting as well that all of these women had quite different relationships with the fashion houses or almost whether their relationship was external with magazines or the fashion houses to help shape their style or whether it's someone trusted within their within their own four walls so Angela Kelly for the Queen and Natasha Archer for for Kate whereas Diana and Meghan seem to have been a bit more Meghan well Meghan's maybe kind of looked after herself a bit more and maybe never quite got into that royal real royal stride because she she cut her time short whereas Diana seemed to build the relationships externally rather more. That's a great, yes, that's a great insight. I think it's really important to know that these women are very active in their, um, in their, in the clothing that they wear. You know, I think for a lot of A-list, um, certainly Hollywood celebrities, they have a team of professional stylists and it is very much a profession. Um, but I think there is an authenticity to what the Royal family wears because they are involved in it. You know, I mean, you don't, they don't seem like somebody's just telling them what to wear. You know I mean? They seem like they're active participants in sort of crafting their visual brand. And, you know, you can tell what I love about Diana is she, she was friends with many of the designers she worked with and she delighted in fashion. She loved it, you know, and she was on the scene at a time, um, you know, when people wanted a princess and there she was, you know, I mean, it wasn't this because we didn't always know, you know, who made a dress or how much it costs. There wasn't that sort of conversation around her. She showed up to sort of, wow, to kind of razzle and dazzle and like what fun that would be <laughs> to have watched in real time. I'm, I'm not young, but I'm also like not old enough to have followed, especially those early years and learning about them while researching my book um, was was a thrill. So was it was Diana a kind of a particular um, highlight for you and your work on this book? 
Yeah. You know, because I think her style phases were so distinct, you know, in the 16 years that she was in the Royal family, she, you know, started off and she wasn't particularly fashionable. And, um, you know, um, in those early years, especially, um, which we're seeing on the crown right now, you know, she, um, with the help of some editors at British Vogue had, um, you know, adapted a very sort of modest ladylike style where she was trying to look older than her, you know, 20 years would suggest. And she had high collars and longer hemlines. And she learned that her clothes needed a sort of function when she was out in the rope line so she could you know crouch down or reach in into the crowd um and then you know certainly as things got more difficult um with Charles and um she understood the attention around her and the spotlight that she was in she got a lot more bold with her fashion choices and you know think of those shoulder pads and the sequins and the dynasty die years and then you know, as things got sort of to a place where <laughs> they were really bad, she and Charles was using her fashion against her, you know, she sought, again, a new kind of sophistication where it was more streamlined and, you know, you know, double breasted uh, jackets and things like that, that looked a little bit more serious. And then certainly at the end of her life, um, in the most dramatic fashion move, I think of all, she auctioned off her dresses, you know, I mean, she sort of shed that part of her and she didn't, she didn't need clothes anymore everybody was paying attention to her. Everybody wanted to know, you know, what she had to say. And so she sort of let the fashion side go. And some of the most iconic images of her life are, you know, walking through minefield in a simple button down shirt. And, you know, there's no fashion in that equation at all. And that's um, a reminder that I think it's, it's so fun to see the moments where they really, you know, show up and, and shine in a gown or a tiara. But there is something to be said for when they don't use fashion, when they don't play that card, when they, when they want to put, the attention squarely on their actions too. Um, a question from Kristen Petaneo. I hope I've said that right. Um, she asks, why does Diana seem more relevant than usual right now, do you think? I, mean, I, think there, I think, I feel like there are sort of echoes of different aspects coming through as well. I can see why Kristen well, like we're in a fashion moment, right? Where um, sweatshirts and bike shorts are huge, you know? So, and Diana was certainly the first with all of that, with that, with those casual outfits. Um, and then obviously the crown hitting right now and reintroducing sort of a new generation to Diana. But I think, um, you know, when I scroll through my Instagram and I see old pictures of Diana crop up, which I do all the time, you know, they sort of flood my feed. And I think it speaks to her legacy and how much fashion was a part of it. You know, what she wore really mattered and has really stuck with us. Diana was the young beauty in the limelight and she was kind of the, you know, the, that generation of Hollywood who doesn't get, doesn't get the roles anymore. Can you imagine what that must feel like too? I mean, because the queen, I'm, I'm just so in awe because, you know, she, she took to the throne, you know, at the age of 25 and sort of had to find her footing on the very male dominated world stage. And, you know, she leaned into her ladylike styles and then sort of settled into her routine. And just as she was sort of entering middle age and, you know, um, certainly um, feeling I would imagine quite comfortable in her style along comes Diana, you know, and sort of makes everybody, you know, look another way. And certainly I think the comparison would be really hard. You know, there was a tour of Canada that she took in the eighties, the queen, and, you know, people sort of, um, said not nice things about how she looked. And, um, you can tell that like after that, she kind of course corrected, you know, <laughs> she, she, um, her suits got a little bit more fitted and, um, a little bit more, um, more tailored. And I, 
I can't imagine what it would be like to be a woman aging on the global stage. And then certainly with the comparison against Diana, but I will say that what Angela Kelly has done for the queen's wardrobe, you know, I spent hours upon hours upon hours looking at photos of these women as I was choosing the photos for my book. And you can see the dramatic effect that Kelly has had on the queen's image, because we all know she's a tiny person. Um, She's not particularly smiley all the time. You know, her sort of resting face is quite stern. And suddenly when you put her in an Angela Kelly design, where it's very, you know, bright and vivid and, you know, there's some whimsical touches to her hats, suddenly she looks so much more approachable. Those photographs, she doesn't have to smile or do anything, just showing up makes you, you know, sort of smile. And that's a big part of her job. And I think um, Kelly is really to be credited um, with a lot of the affection that we feel for certainly the modern day queen. I think the Queen's uniform is definitely a bit more colourful and fun than Steve Jobs's used to be. But it's I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, no, and and but that, but I think they're the same in that they have a uniform. And think about the power in that. You know, I mean, here in the states, we just had um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg pass away, and she was a Supreme Court justice known for her collars. And you know, um, people paid their respects by wearing collars. You know, you can when you can imitate someone's look, that is the real power of fashion. That is your legacy because you know. The queen, nobody dresses like the queen now and nobody will after she's gone. That is her look. And there is um, really something to be said for how much, how important that is. Certainly as somebody, you know, who will be in the history books for centuries, like you can look and you know what the queen looks like. And that's because of what she's wearing. I really liked the comment from one of the um, interviewees in your book about, you know, can you imagine if the Queen wore fashionable, trendy things all the time? It would just be unnerving. And I just thought, yeah, that, that is that is really true. And then I wondered, is Camilla's wardrobe already in Queen mode from that point mm. of view, do you think? I would bet so, because I do think that there is something remarkably calming about consistency, about knowing what to expect from someone when they show up somewhere. And you know, you can see it even in Kate, I would say, you know, I mean, you you can, you know, a good shirt dress is a real go-to for her. And, you know, if that's what you expect from Kate when she shows up in engagement and she's wearing that, how lovely that would be, you know? And and I do think if the queen were like flitting around, you know, wearing the latest trends, how, how wild that would be and um, how sort of, I agree, unnerving in a way. And maybe with Kate as well, because if you do have the kind of She's not so much a uniform as maybe like a, a capsule wardrobe. Let's maybe try that. It's right. close. You know, I mean, there are a couple of really sort of staple Kate looks that you can count on. You know, I mean, a really good Amelia Wickstead dress, you know, with longer sleeves and a and a um, A-line skirt. Or, you know, for a while, especially in the early years, her casual look was very much a uniform. It was a blue and white striped shirt, skinny jeans, wedges, and maybe a, a navy blazer on top of it. And, you know, for us, for like, in the fashion world, is that the most exciting? No, uh, but is it very relatable? And it is also very understandable and very comforting in some way. Yes, absolutely. And I think um, that's a reminder too that these women are playing a longer game here. You know, they're not just going for the moment. They're building a brand and an identity, and with all that comes real affection. I think the other thing though is if you've got this staple of normally you're expecting this from Kate. And then suddenly she busts out something entirely different. <laughs> then the impact is more. Whereas if she was playing all of the time, then you would lose that those moments of sort of uplift, if you like. It's so true because um, 
those departures are the ones where you your eyes sort of snap, you know, especially for those of us that follow all of this, you know, every single moment of it. If you remember after um, Megan and Harry's wedding, Megan wore a series of blush dresses. It was like blush and white, and um, it was very sort of um, neutral and um, calming. Tiaras. There's not been enough tiara action this year for obvious no. reasons. No, when never. I like there's think- never enough though. <laughs> I'd like to think that when they're on their family Zoom calls, just every now and then they all get dressed up like stick special (laughs) occasion. But you know, we don't we don't see them wearing it a huge amount anyway. But apparently so you were saying Diana back in the day used to to start off with, she was a big fan of getting getting the bling out. Well, this is a reminder too that she was an aristocrat, right? You know, she came from a family with a tiara. There's just, there's not that many, my family does not have a family tiara. (laughs) If they did, I would wear it all the time. No, and I think that's an important part to remember. Diana, I mean, she entered, you know, the equation as Charles's bride. You know, she was already the princess of Wales. She, um, you know, had a very prominent place in the family and she had um, that tiara and um, another one on loan from the queen, um, the lover's knot. And she wore them all the time. You know, she took them on tour. We have not seen Kate on tour, you know, in a tiara in any of her gown moments. Um, but Diana wore them. And and one of my favorite um, uh, anecdotes in the book is, you know, there was in um, when they took their big tour of Australia, which features very prominently in an episode of The Crown, she had a fantastic wardrobe. And then um, she brought much of those same outfits, especially the gowns to Canada um, on a tour later that year. And what she did was with her gown, she just swapped out a different tiara. <laughs> so she rewore, she repeated her pieces, but she just changed up her tiara to like make for a new look, which I thought, gosh, to have not, you know, have more than one tiara to kind of play around how fun that would be. But again, Diana, you know, Diana wasn't under, from what I understand, you know, people weren't sort of counting, you know, the, the cost of her wardrobe in the same way. There wasn't that sort of um, public pressure. And so she was, you know, having fun being a young princess. <laughs> I guess it was the 80s as well, wasn't it? It was, you know, the decade of oh, yeah. excess, whereas, yeah. you know, William and Kate got married after after the crash and <laughs> Very after, true. You know, the, the world economic crisis and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a different a different time, I guess. Um, so wedding dresses. Yes. Oh, fine. Uh, always a favourite. Always a favourite. I really like the detail about, about the um, the Queen's wedding dress that each of the seamstresses had placed a stitch so that they'd they'd had a part in it, which was really sweet. It reminded me of, um, so I, I made my wedding cake with my mother and my sister. We made it together. And then I made all of my family put one of the decorations on it. So that was- nice. Oh, oh, that's so I highly lovely. Yes, but that was a nice, that it was just like, oh, this is a nice thing of sharing a part of it. But enough about me. It's not about me. <laughs> Which is your favorite royal wedding dress? Ooh, um, you know, I would choose Kate, um, Kate's McQueen gown. Uh, I loved it in the moment and I love it every bit as much now. And I think um, what what that dress accomplished um, and certainly what she did for the McQueen fashion house at the time um, is just really impressive um, because it was a dress that was big enough to um, make a statement and certainly um, hold up (laughs) as she walked down the aisle. You know, you need a big dress (laughs) for a big wedding like that, but it didn't swallow her up the way that Diana's did. You know, you look back at the pictures of Diana's and um, I mean, you can place that dress right in 1981. That looks every bit (laughs) the eighties dress. Um, Um, And what Kate did, um, just, you know, I mean, it just, 
had sleeves. Like that sounds so silly now, but back then everybody was wearing strapless dresses and here she was in these gorgeous lace sleeves and then everybody had to have sleeves. You know what I mean? The, the sort of ripple effect of her choices and how beautiful it was. I mean, I just, um, it was stunning and it was extremely well executed um, by Sarah Burton of McQueen. And I think that dress will live on and look beautiful for decades and decades to come. There's a very timeless quality about it. Do you have a favorite, Anne? Oh, I think if you asked me on a different day, I'd probably give you a different answer oh. <laughs> every time. Um, and possibly it's because none of them really are anything like what I got married in. And I think mm. you always, I, ultimately, my favorite wedding dress is my wedding dress. Oh, <laughs> as it should like, be. Yeah. As, it, yeah. as it should be, which is nice. But, um, and they, they've all done they've all had such nice details you know you think about most recently princess beatrice it's borrowed from the queen it's the lockdown the lockdown wedding it's so sweet was that did you have to make some very late edits to your book oh well so we were like well well down the book at that point and i was i mean i still it had not gone to the printer and i was like hold up we have to change it there's a that original dress of the the, of the queens there's a big picture of it in the book and i was like we have to i couldn't add a photograph for anything but I could change the caption <laughs> to give a shout out to Beatrice because that was just that was phenomenal because we see them trade jewels you know I mean we trade see the tiaras go from one head to the next kind of thing or earrings or bracelets but so rarely do we see them share clothing and the fact that Beatrice was allowed to alter a garment of such historical significance you know I mean a Norman Hartnell dress is a huge deal um he was you know the person in the queen's life in those early years the fashion person um I just like what an honor for her and you know what a thrill for us to see and yeah so that was great Eugenie's dress with the kind of the message with showing her back was amazing she looked stunning yes that was a gorgeous dress Megan was just totally regal kind of floating down that with that incredible veil like I, let's yes. face it Megan's look was not about the dress I I didn't feel it was about it was about the veil it was about the tiara it was about the whole effect and then and it was know. some I mean and, and going back to she it was a very modern dress you know I mean it, she didn't need sparkles and bows and you know all the frills to make her into a member of the royal family it it, it it put the focus on her face and her beautiful veil um, held all that symbolism. And it was just, you know, looking back, I really admire what she did because can you imagine if you were having a dress made for a royal wedding, you could have anything made. You know I mean? that That's another thing I think about all the time with these women, they could wear anything from anyone anywhere. You know, anybody would make them anything. And that amount of choice would be so overwhelming. And so to have sort of the clarity of vision of, you know, this is what I want and this is, you know, what I stand for. Gosh, I, I, I don't envy them. <laughs> it would be overwhelming to me. Yeah, it's a big, a big deal. But I think it's fair to say that they all nailed it for their very different, mm. very different looks. However, I'm going to, I'm going to have to have an argument with you about one thing in your book. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. You said that Kate stunned in the blue Alexander McQueen dress at the state <laughs> dinner. That, that's like, it's the, I hate that dress. <laughs> so, right. That's extreme. That's extremely fair. <laughs> From a fashion perspective, I will just back up and say, you know, Kate's power again, you know, the fact that she wore off the rack, the fact that it wasn't like affordable, but you could buy it if you wanted to. You know, I mean, it, it allowed um, myself, certainly, and a lot of other women to see you know, ourselves and Kate and her style. And I look back at some of those early choices, especially knowing what I know now about royal fashion, and it's delightfully uncomplicated. It's, you know, classic, it's feminine, it's, um, it's stuff that a lot of women wear. Except Kate is not a lot of women. <laughs> you know, Kate is the Duchess of Cambridge. You know, she is the future queen consort. 
uh, she has license to experiment with fashion a little bit more and to make a bigger statement and certainly working with Sarah Burton and McQueen and, and her, you know, beyond fanciful designs that, um, there's a real opportunity there. And so when I, I saw that blue McQueen dress the first time, I will admit, I was like, what, what, what? I was like, just like <laughs> rapidly blinking, seeing her, her walk and, you know, with those state dinners, we never get the best pictures. And it's sort of, I was like, what is happening here? But again, like in hindsight, I, I just admire her because if you're going to load up on the tiara and the necklace and the jewels, you know, get a cool gown to go with it too. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I was looking at the pictures. I think actually, I'm not sure Kate has quite hit her A game on state dinner dresses. I mean, mm. fine, it's all about the tiara and that's the excitement. I really like the red dress and I think there's a white dress that I really like, but the others I'm a bit like, nah, I'd rather I'd rather see the Jenny, I, like it's the red carpet ones that I ah. like for Kate, like the Jenny Packhams or the the floaty Alexander McQueen's, like the, you know, the kind of basta yeah. Grecian one and the one from LA back in the day, just that. That's the oh, yeah. oh, and you've got a full range. Yes, I agree with all, <laughs> with all of the ones you just mentioned. Yes. Uh, well, I'm a bit like you. So I started do it, doing the royal thing with mm -hmm. William and Kate because I was working on the internet. They got engaged. That was a huge deal. So 10 years 10 ago years yesterday, ago. <laughs> which yes. is amazing. And, and then suddenly I was writing. I was one of those people who was writing all the time about what Kate was wearing and, and what was going on and, you know, covering whatever else they were doing as well. But were you surprised? It. Were you surprised that like the fashion conversation was so enthusiastic right from the start? Yes, probably. Because, I mean, even the internet 10 years ago was very different. You know, social media wasn't really a thing. It was all about Google, essentially. That mm. was everyone was just looking for stuff. and. Yeah, it was it was really weird. But the other thing I found interesting when I spent more time kind of writing about fashion, it changed my brain. So I'd be looking at I'd be looking at handbags and it's like, oh, I want those. And it's like, that's not me. I don't I'm not normally bothered about any of that stuff. So it was just like I found it had changed my radar in life that I was mm. like looking at fashion and things like has has covering the royals. Has it changed your wardrobe? Oh, oh my gosh, entirely. And I have sort of, um, I set out to promote this book. It's a, um, it's a blue book. If you haven't seen it, it's, I'm calling it HRH blue. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be fun if I wore blue for, you know, all of my book events? Well, it's really hard actually to dress and to find the shade of blue, especially in the fall. And, you know, um, I, I'm not saying that everybody has to like, you know, every time they leave the house to put together the most thoughtful outfit, but if you attempt to dress like the Royals and put thought into the brands that you choose and, you know, the styles and the colors and things like that, I think you'll realize that it's actually really difficult. And, um, it gives me all that much more sort of, um, admiration for what they do, because even just, you know, finding blue to wear over and over has been challenging. Um, and so I don't envy that, you know, they have obviously the whole world watching them. They do at least have a team of stylists. Yes, they have help. Exactly. <laughs> I do not have a stylist for the record. Um, in terms of the other members of the royal family, not not your kind of top mm. four, so Princess Anne, Camilla, Sophie, the, um, the York sisters, um, Sarah Sharp's asking, do you feel like they also dress with purpose in the same kind of way? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure they do. You know, I mean, the queen has set the tone here, you know, that she's been able to do this for decade after decade, um, certainly would, I think, send a message to the other members of the family that there is a real opportunity here and that clothing is something to be considered. Um, people ask me why I don't weigh in on them more. 
the fact of the matter is that I'm not as familiar with them and their style choices. Like to notice a departure from Kate, you have to understand what Kate wore. You know, to notice that she's gotten more fashionable as of late, you have to understand that, you know, her early days were a little bit more restrained. And so it actually takes quite a bit of familiarity with the person to be able to weigh in and try and sort of connect the dots on their clothing. Um, and certainly Sophie, I think, has had some real moments. And I, what I admire about the women that are like one step removed from this very bright spotlight is that they can experiment a little bit more. You know, I mean, Sophie's had some real daring moments. I think there was a jumpsuit at Ascot that, that I was it like, was oh, blue. Wow. Yes. It could have gone on the cover. <laughs> it could, I know, exactly, exactly. So, um, and certainly, um, Beatrice and Eugenie, um, I I love, especially now. I think their um, their fashion is getting to be um, a little bit more sophisticated, and that's really exciting to me. And so, if there were more hours in the day and I could study up on them a little bit more, <laughs> I would love to include them in the rotation. Who Who do you think is um, who would be top? Who's Who's vying for promotion? If you if we're to use a kind of a football analogy, uh, Eugenie, um, and then Sophie. Eugenie and Beatrice and then Sophie I have I have great respect for Anne I would there's a lot of her wardrobe that I would like to understand and sort of familiarize myself with um I think Anne in this season of the crown too is a real standout um and especially in her style um but again it's just it's a matter of uh, you know not enough time in the day yes I I can I can feel your uh I feel the same pain um in terms of the US like this year how how have the royals been covered it's obviously been a, an unusual year for the royal family and for everybody in the whole of the world but also on a more when we when we were at the beginning of the year we thought Harry and Meghan quitting was going to be like the biggest thing that happened in 2020. Well I have to say I was um my book was due um, in January um, and this news hit when Harry and Meghan um, sort of announced their intentions and I had to sort of frantically rewrite and rewrite some more. And, um, you know, they had their final string of engagements and I was working to include those photographs and it was sort of this whole um, uh, process, <laughs> sort of chaotic process. But what I love about the book is it's it's sort of a time capsule of Meghan's wardrobe. Um, and then, you know, I'm very interested to see what she is going to do next and certainly, um, you know, get some head to toe looks, um, once we get out of, <laughs> out of this pandemic. Um, I do think, uh, that here in America, having Harry and Meghan, um, in Southern California is really exciting. And once we're all free to move around a bit and we get more sightings of them, I think people will sort of, um, uh, uh, want to, want to know more and certainly want to see them out and about, um, I, again, I think that we have a very different relationship um, with the monarchy as a whole. And so having Harry and Meghan back is exciting in a way that I, <laughs> I'm not sure um, is is how you all feel. Um, but I do think that um, the pandemic has certainly slowed down everything. You know, it slowed down their charitable projects. It slowed down their appearances. But once they're in like the regular rotation to see them on a red carpet or something would be so fun. Absolutely. Well, yeah, anytime they get dressed up, it's always, always fun. And Megan dresses so well. Um, but I guess, do you, do you think they're going to be in the news pages, the celebrity pages or the fashion pages for the... For their oh, lives? I would it's say all three. I mean, I think everybody here has sort of realized how much, I mean we all care about them, <laughs> you know, I mean, I see them show up in, you know, the New York times and I see them show up in people magazine and I see them, you know, covered on every fashion magazine website. I think, um, 
we're very hungry to know more about them and their intentions. And I think they've done a pretty admirable job of staying active, but keeping sort of a low profile. I think this year is really hard for people to know. I mean, just in general, you know, how much to do and how, you know, when to pull back and how to be active. And if you think about the Royal family, their job is to appear, right? I mean, and, and Kate, I would say Kate and Will certainly in lockdown have been very active. There was a stretch there with her zoom calls that I could not even keep track of them because there were so many. And I was like, wait, who is she talking to and what's happening now? But you know, that's their job to, you know, be, um, to, to, um, be especially now smiling faces out there. Um, and I admire how active they have all managed to be. And what do you think zoom has done to Royal fashion? Well, it certainly put the attention on the shoulders, huh? <laughs> Kate had that had that moment. Um, was it this week or last week where she was wearing that? Um, it's like a white satiny silky shirt with a big black collar. Um, it was tied to um, we call it Veterans Day or the um, Armistice uh, Day over here. Yes, yes, yes. sorry, Armistice yes, yes. yeah, yeah, with the um, and I was like, oh, you know, the, the Zoom fashion protocol is that you see from sort of the shoulders up, and so to have a great statement collar like that, I thought that was really exciting. Um, I do think that sort of simple, more uncomplicated styles um, really go over well. And we've seen that for Megan too. Um, and then it just means that when we do get a full head to toe, like crystal clear picture taken by an actual photographer, it's really exciting. Cause it's like, oh yes, ah, I can see, you know, clearly what she's wearing. And um, gosh, that hold still engagement that, um, you know, where she had that fantastic red coat um, recently where she sort of did a tour of the city to see um, that was her handmaid's tail coat. Oh, oh, is that what you called it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, that was that reminded me of a Diana coat, but my head's in a different place. I guess. <laughs> no, I thought it was. I thought it was. I think it was because it was so long. It, it was, was very long. It was a statement. It was yeah, you know. But I liked you know Kate. Um, that was Kate's project. You know, she was obviously appearing with Will, um, but that was her thing, and that was something that she had had seen. And I love that she took that moment to be that sort of bold focal point you know that coat really made her in all those pictures you see her first um as you should and that is I mean, going back to the queen that is kind of the fundamental one of the fundamental rules of royal dressing at least if you're not at an engagement with the queen anyway yeah. <laughs> yes yes and i like um actually looking back at the ways in which kate and megan uh dressed when they were appearing with the queen because they definitely um stepped their style or their colors back a little bit so that she would be sort of the one to shine as as she should um we've talked about the blue of hrh natalie owens got a um a question she wants to know what the second color choice was oh was no it, it was red pink. you know i made a big fuss about this because i think in my pandemic adult brain i couldn't choose between two colors i wanted the book to be in their spirit right they would they pick a single color you know and and to have four pictures of these four women wearing a similar shade, looking in the way that I needed them to look, smiling. You know, it was actually a taller order than you'd think. And I looked at every color of the rainbow. I mean, truly, because I thought purple, you know, makes sense. Or and green was trending, but it came down to, between this sort of like lighter blue and a bright red. And um, I love red and I think it's very bold and I think it's very much it would have popped on Instagram for sure. But I think what I hear from people, they come to me <laughs> to uh, for sort of a respite from the stress. Red is a very in-your-face color. And certainly in America here, we've had a very contentious election and it's been a sort of stressful season. And so as we were looking, you know, to what the fall would hold, we wanted this to be calming, <laughs> you know, keep calm and carry on. And I think blue, a lighter blue is a much, um, much more calming color. So I hope that's how people receive it. 
it's Kate's Royal Ascot blue as well, which you can't oh, go wrong with that kind of Cinderella blue. Yes. Downton yeah. Abbey style dress, which I think mm-hmm. is a favourite. Oh, and it had a pussy bow. Which... It did for Russell. <laughs> for, for Russell. I found that I think I think I found the first reference to pussy bow in the book. Page 95, Princess <laughs> Diana. Right pick. I mean, the Queen is not one for pussy bows, really, is she? But I did no, not find one. I wish I would. <laughs> Well, she's you know she's got time to go. Maybe in her mid nineties, this is the time to bust out the pussy exactly. bow. Can I tell so, you that my husband was like, "It's called a what?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "So he and Russell can." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that like Russell is currently on some kind of Zoom call with your husband discussing. I'm sure, yes. <laughs> like, what <laughs> is she talking about exactly? <laughs> and. You, I know you spoke to various people in the in the writing of the book. Like, was there anyone in particular who um, who kind of really stood out for you that you thought was like, oh, Gosh, you know, I mean, there's so oh, I mean, there's so many royal reporters who um, are sort of steeped in this, and my, you know, I mean, it was fun. It was great fun talking to Russell because, you know, I think too for the people who are not necessarily fashion inclined, <laughs> that the, you know, understanding that fashion is a part of this job and this coverage, I think, is kind of delightful in its own way. Um, but certainly, I would say, you know, um, Robin Gavon, who is a um, journalist over here in the states, a Pulitzer Prize winner for her fashion commentary, you know, the ways in which um, people see clothes and receive clothes, and how much they think about the sort of long-term effect, um, I think speaks. And and this is sort of what I keep preaching over and over with this book. It just speaks to how much power clothes hold and how much you can do with your clothing. And when I think about the royal family and the and the photographs and what a prominent role that plays in their legacies. Um, you know, talking to people who really think about fashion in a serious capacity um, was just it was wonderful to me because I can't tell you how many people are, are like, why do you care so much about what they wear? It's like I care because they care and they care because it matters. And I I wish we can you know sort of come to an agreement <laughs> about that and that it, that this is worthy, this is um, important and worthy of our attention and discussion. And if you were given a, a job, a magical job, where you could style any of these four women, who would you who would you want to kind of go work for and be the person who's out hunting for all of the different shades of blue for them or whatever their kind of requirement was of you today as their royal stylist? I would want them to style me if I'm being super honest. <laughs> I would want to hear from Diana, you know, certainly, um, and how um, how much fun she had with clothing. No, I think that um, probably the wardrobe that I relate to, you know, I think early in my adult life, I would have said Kate's wardrobe um, sort of spoke to me more. But uh, Megan on the scene, I think, um, you know, there's so much of what she wears that um, feels like what I wear, you know, and I think, again, like they're in... Therein lies the connection because the, these clothes affect how we feel about them. And if you can see yourself in their clothes, you can see there's yourself in them and you might want to, you know, know, know more about their work. Um, but I think, you know, Megan was said to have sort of styled herself um, as a royal. And my goodness, I, I hope she had some help because the other aspect of this that um, doing the book certainly hammered home was how much work it is. You know, I mean, these are <laughs> massive wardrobes, certainly getting ready, packing for a tour. You know, Kate supposedly packed for her first um, tour in 2011 of North America, you know, with her, the help of her mom <laughs> and, and gosh, that, that would be really hard. I mean, I can hardly put together an outfit a day, <laughs> let alone pack for, you know, a two week sprint kind of thing. Um, so I hope, I hope they have some help. 
I think I read, I was thinking about this before I came on the show. I was thinking I kind of relate, I relate to Kate's wardrobe where there's things that are my kind of typical, um, my typical look, but then I really like to go for it sometimes when there's mm. an opportunity to get dressed up and we're kind of similar ages and similar colorings and that kind of thing. So I, and she's, you know, she was my, she was my first Royal. Really, same, was same, like, same. So <laughs> I feel like I relate to her, her wardrobe and I could imagine wearing a lot of the clothes in her wardrobe. I mean, chance would be a fine thing, but there we go. But, and then Megan is like that cool person who you wish you could dress like. That's yes. what she's like for me, I think. That's per- like- yes. That's very well said because I, yes, I don't, I don't think that I could, I don't think anybody wants me to style them. Um, that's certainly not where my expertise lies, but yes, there are so, so many things that Megan wore, especially, you know, I look back at those like voluminous trousers that she wore to Wimbledon and, you know, I would never, I don't know that I could ever pull those off, but gosh, they were fun to see. Oh, Wimbledon. God, it would be nice to do that about then next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Like, what's your favorite event in the Royal Calendar that you look forward to? What, I would what's, say what's Ascot. The... Ascot. Uh, Royal Ascot, yeah. I just oh. think, you know, again, like, there is something really appealing about these outfits that, like, like what Kate wore. Nobody wears that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no other occasion or even, I mean, I would say also that my, it would be tied for trooping the color because there's just, you know, there's no occasion, certainly here in America, that you would get you know, that dolled up with a hat and, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. And it's just, um, those are the moments where they seem so far out of reach, but so much like a fairy tale, you know, to us, um, I think certainly here in America and, um, you know, at Trooping the Color, she's got her children with her too. And like, there's a, those pictures are just delightful. So yes, I was, I had hoped this year that they would all sort of get on different balconies and stand far apart and we would still get the pictures, but no dice, maybe next year. Maybe next year, maybe next year. Well, let's hope for next year. Um, Elizabeth, it's been so fantastic to get to meet you and well, meet you. This is as much as anybody gets to meet anybody these days, really, isn't it? Even though we are, I don't know how many thousands of miles away from um, from London to the West Coast of America, but um, the fabulousness of Zoom brings us together. And we'll see, we'll see you on Instagram. It's been yes. great to have you join us. Um, HRH is out now. And uh, can... out on Tuesday yep so we'll be out by the time this yeah comes out we're, space-time continuum and <laughs> all Russell Myers elements are present so anyway um, listeners thank you for sending in your questions if I didn't manage to name check you and ask your question exactly hopefully I managed to get a flavor of the things that you wanted to know about in there because it's always great to have your suggestions um so We'll be back very soon talking more royal things and there's a crown episode to come as well. So wherever you are, stay safe and well. And until next time. Pods and the Queen!